You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball Is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball Is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And these days, life has been busy, man, so it's nice to get a chance to hop back in the booth and get back to it. Um, I know I've been really busy. I know Zach's been really busy, but what's going on with you, man? It's been a minute since we checked in. Started some new jobs, guys. So we're, we're trying our hardest. We're trying to get up, get out an episode a week, but, um, shit's been crazy in my neighborhood. It's getting, getting <laughs> lit up like a Christmas tree around here and in the burbs, but no, it's, it's not that rough. It's pretty good actually. Hey, in the, uh, in the suburbs of Minnesota, we got some neighborly beef. Zach's yes, got some sir. neighborly beef. And tenderloins, baby. <laughs> so uh, you're still in Texas. You're living up the dry heat. You're getting back into the hooping scene, right? There's no dry heat here. It's wet. It's thick. It's sticky. It's humid. Dry heat's in LA. I am hooping. I'm getting back into hooping. Um, I hooped this morning. My heel is okay. sore. So hopefully my, my, I don't have an Achilles problem. Knock on some wood for me. Um, but yeah, every time I hoop, it's like 30 minutes later, my, my heel gets sore and I get scared. But um, no, I was balling today. I was on fire today. It was fun playing with some, you know, some average Joes, getting it in, living those hoop dreams out. Ball is life. It's more than just a sponsor. <laughs> it's a dream. It's a, you it's feel a me? Lifestyle. Never ending. Never ending. But yeah, man. So lots to talk about. The NBA has been a circus in the best of ways lately. The Bucks went up 2-1 last night. Trey Young unfortunately has a i believe it's a bone bruise on his ankle am i am i right about that it's a bruise of some type yes no no it definitely is a bone bruise um the exact what chris i think no it was Woj. got chris haynes stuck in my head all the damn damn yeah, smoke i thought it was i thought it was a sprained ankle and you could tell when he came out like when he came back in the fourth quarter last night when the bucks made their run um, you could just tell Trey wasn't the same. He was not able to attack the defense. He was almost a decoy. He hit one three and everything else was just kind of off. Um, even I think he had like a pump fake three in the corner where he repositioned. I think he caught Chris Middleton flying. Came out and hit that right away. No, he missed that one from the corner. He made one from the elbow three. Yeah, it was um, pretty quick though. I mean, he drilled he came out right off the no, bat. his first 
he might have made it. I don't know. But one of them slapped the side of the backboard, and then I think he missed like a floater or something. He just didn't look the same. And you could tell after he would miss the shot. Before that, did you think the Hawks were going to take this? For a second, yes, I did. Um, But I was going to say, when he he missed those shots, you could tell getting back on defense, like he, he was not able to, you know, he was fouling in transition. You could see him communicating to teammates, basically saying like, hey, pick my guy up. Um, and I, I almost, I almost felt like he was, it was, it would have been beneficial for the Hawks to bench him at the end just cause he was hurt and you could see it. Um, but on the other end of the floor, man, Chris Middleton went loco. Uh, that was, that was fun as hell to watch, man. That's like, that's what I like to watch a guy being unstoppable, just drilling shots in the defender's face. I mean, they weren't playing bad defense on him. He was just hitting tough big shots shot no he was that dude he was that dude 20 in the fourth man i mean i'm just proud of Giannis. you know he he can be that guy he can be that great for three quarters but understanding he can rely on middleton and just let him be a closer i mean the greats i mean do what they need to do to win and that's kind of been Giannis's problem this whole time he's trying to do too much trying to be somebody he's not and he's had the weapon he's had the tool and I got to give a little props to Mike Boonholzer because he probably finally got a hold of him somehow. It can't be just Giannis's light bulb clicking in his head saying, all right, I'm going to let Chris Middleton finally do the, this thing after all these years of knowing that he has this dude. Well, let me, let me stop you right there because you said it can't just be a light bulb going off in Giannis's head. I will say this, man. I think it's pretty clear by now that Twitter and Twitter discourse, one thousand percent makes its way to the players, without oh, yeah. question. Certain players, I mean. Well, no, I mean certain players for sure, but I mean you have to kind of do the numbers, or I guess there are no numbers to do, but you just have to think and use common sense, right? If if certain guys, like if the if the most high profile of guys, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard obviously knows active. what's going on on Twitter. He's active. Kevin Durant's active. James Harden was off Twitter except for like you know. Uh, scheduled posts and, and promotion ad type posts when he was with the Rockets. And then all of a sudden he's in Brooklyn and he's back on social media in full, full blast, right? So you're trying to tell me that he didn't hear that noise? Come on, he did. Kevin Durant, as I just said. So my point is they read what's on Twitter. I can tell you for a fact on Rockets Twitter that there are influential people that read what we tweet. Now, what, do they care about it? I don't know, but they read it. And so I would just say, was it Bud? I don't know. They got a hold of Giannis, but I would not be surprised if that noise made its way to Giannis. And finally, you know, in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals, he <laughs> decides to switch it up. I will give him credit. Um, I mean, his stat lines are crazy. He is a, a force. He's very difficult to deal with. The reason I have slandered him so heavy is because he does fade in the fourth. Yes. But I'll just say, if you're, if, if you're great, quote unquote, if you're a great and your go-to move as you suggested, is to know when to pass the damn ball and stay out of the way. It's, I mean, it's just an indictment. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just separates him from the greats. Because when we talk greats, we're talking of all time. For for sure. I mean, if he wins this ring, he's on his way to keep climbing the hierarchy for sure. I mean, he's getting a ring earlier than Mike and MJ. I mean, Mike and MJ. Mike and LeBron. And on top of that, I mean, he's got all these accolades okay and he's this dude that's still really raw in my opinion like 
I think he can, with a title here and a finals MVP, can keep escalating. I, he's no Ben Simmons here, all right? Like, um, I truly believe it's, it's a growth and it's a slow growth. He's not a guy that just lived and breathed ball growing up, okay? I mean, he played in the streets. He didn't understand the, the intelligence part of the game came a lot later. And you can just tell by the way this dude played. You know, it, it's taken him a while to adapt. I mean, it's Elijah just, one. Elijah one didn't play basketball until he was 17. He was he was a goalie. And beat is the same way. Yeah. And those guys have a ton more skill than Giannis. Now, do you need to be skilled? I don't know. Who cares? People. Some people care. Some people don't. I'm in the camp that does care. It's just knowing I, how to use your skill, which Giannis hasn't been able to do when it really mattered. Well, because he's a, a player of brute force. That's his skill, which is not a skill. Technically, does that technicality matter? Probably not. But his, his entire advantage is the physical specimen that he is and knowing how to leverage that to get to the basket and score. He hit a nice fadeaway to basically seal it last night. And that's the kind of stuff I would like to see. That's the kind of stuff that would shut people like me up for good, is if he just started closing games like that. But regardless, the Bucks win. And when you win, you get praise, right? So that's just kind of how this game goes. That's how the discourse goes. And Chris Middleton was phenomenal, 38 points. Uh, I don't I don't have his shooting splits from last night off the top of my head, but um, he was their closer down the stretch. And I also tweeted that you got to give the Bucks credit for building for, for being aggressive when building a contender around Giannis. They went out and got P.J. Tucker and he was battling for loose balls in that fourth quarter, keeping plays alive, closing possessions with rebounds. They went out and got Drew Holiday and they extended him and maxed him out, whatever the deal was. And you saw Drew Holiday, even though he had an off game offensively, he was still uh, making plays on defense, had some some key steals down the stretch. Um, and of course, Chris Middleton, right, did what he did. So you've got to give the Bucks credit. It looks like they're primed to go to the finals. They look like the best team standing. We'll see what happens, but you got to give them credit. On the other side of the bracket, we got the Clippers and the Suns. Real quick, a couple things on the Hawks. I mean, Hawks, Bucks, though. I just want to say, like, I never thought the Bucks were going to lose that game. I mean, they basically kept they, – they did an amazing job of keeping the Hawks out of the paint. The Hawks were just hitting shot after shot, but every time you thought the game was going to get out of hand, the Bucks did exactly what they needed to keep it intact. Um, and then the close out to that second quarter, tying it up. I thought that was game when they did that. Um, they finished that. But, but I, I know I see people, if Josh Eberly's listening to this, I know Josh tweets about this a lot. Uh, I know Jason Maples, I think, tweets about this a lot. And we may all disagree, but injuries matter, okay? Now, do they happen every year? Yes. Can we asterisk every year? Absolutely not. Are we going to asterisk this year? Probably not. But when we talk about the game, at least within the 24 hours after the game occurred, which is the time frame with, within which we are recording this, I mean, that game turned because Trey got hurt. Trey doesn't get hurt. The Hawks very well may close that out. The Bucks had maybe, to come back. Maybe. The Bucks I just had to come back in Atlanta. To win that, I just thought the Bucks were doing what they needed to do all game. The way they were switching, the way they were keeping the Hawks out of the paint. I, I mean, I thought they were pretty flawless. I mean, yes, the, the Hawks just kept shooting and kept hitting them, and that's all they had going, though, in my estimation. I mean, that that's what I saw. Um, that's the game. Scored, the Hawks scored exactly. nine. What they, you said? They kept shooting and making them or missing exactly. them. Exactly. They kept that's making what, that's them. What basketball is make or miss league. I mean, yes, it's it's a simple game now, but like Trey, that's where he's been having all of the success. 
I mean, they've been getting the points in the paint. That's what I'm saying. Trey got hurt. So their engine was out, you know? He I mean, wasn't were... doing that at all during the game, though. That's the thing. But how many times have we seen uh, game seven against the Sixers? He was, he was going like, what? It was like he was two of 18, I think, at one point. Something crazy. And then what did he do in the last five minutes of the game? Closed it out. Trey Young's a gamer. So are you like, telling I, me you would have picked the, the Hawks the rest of the way? Hawks, I'm not, you I'm thought not they were going to win this game, they were going to win this I'm, series. I'm not saying I would have picked anyone the rest of the way. I'm just saying they were up and their guy got hurt. You're just lost try- a close game. I, I get it. And, I, I, and it definitely matters. Absolutely. Their chances go up exponentially. What I'm trying to say here is, yes, DeAndre Hunter, that loss is what is hurting them from winning this series. Even if the Hawks were to win yesterday's game, I still think the Bucks win the series. Um, so regardless, injuries or not, it does, I, I'm going to give the, the Bucks the credit here. And I just think they're that good of a team, and they're finally playing like it. They're play- well, I'm, not is- saying, I'm not saying you don't give the Bucks credit. You've got to give the Bucks credit. I'm just saying that that is what turned game three. Trey Young's injury turned game three. Whether you can hold that against Milwaukee or not, you know, whatever. I really don't care to go deep into it because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And there are a ton of examples throughout the history of the NBA where a series turned on an injury. It just sucks that that's how it turned. Because, I mean, I, I love Atlanta's story. I love, like, their whole underdog mentality that they've embodied and embraced. And now the narrative is going to be, oh, they came up short. But, but they really were not coming up short. Their guy just got hurt. So I think that they deserve to be framed in the proper light as well. But For sure. I think a lot um, of it had to do with John Collins falling out, though, too. And um, that was a big loss for them. Um, he was in full trouble early in the third. Just little yeah. things here and there, but little things they add up. But I'm Bucks, you, when Trey when Trey Young goes down, everything changes. What was it? I, I can't remember. It was like 102.98. Chris Middleton outscored the Hawks by himself in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah, right. But, uh, no, I mean, that's literally, a direct direct product of Trey being hurt. The Hawks scored nine points in eight plus minutes, and Lou Williams was getting torched all game. I mean, you can't have him and Trey out there together. Regardless, though, we we talked a lot about the Bucks, so good for them. Um, but on the other side of the bracket, Phoenix is going to close it out. I don't really think there's much to talk about. I'm excited to see Chris Paul make his first finals. Hopefully the 3-1 bug yeah, doesn't bite him. Hopefully the Hopefully. 3-1 bug doesn't, doesn't bite him because um, he's blown some of those before, at least one. But Zubats is out tonight. Kawhi's Thank God out. for them. They've, they're 1-8 mm-hmm. and eight when he plays 18-plus minutes. Something crazy well, like that. 1-6, 1-8. Yeah, I mean, maybe the way is to spread Aiden out, but I think Aiden's going to have a big night. Credit to DeAndre Ayton, by the way. Good for him. Really happy for him and his young, um, his young career. He's growing very quickly. So that um, was a big conversation today. How much do you think he like? How much do you think he's elevated just throughout the playoffs? And that's the crazy thing about the Suns in general throughout the whole playoffs because they're so young. They've had all this room to grow through this extended season. It's crazy how much. Booker, Aiton, Mikel Bridges' campaign have all just developed and grown in the playoffs. Hey, man. I know it's a joke on Twitter about Chris Paul's leadership, but you hear it from the, from the horses' mouths themselves. The players say it like they don't know where they'd be without Chris Paul's help. I think that stuff really does matter, and I think that's some of the value of Chris Paul. Like having a floor. I mean, he's a true floor general. Like I know that's a term of art, 
but he he defines that word. He is a floor general. And I mean, it's not all Chris Paul. Obviously, he's missed Thank some you. games, and the Suns still won it. I'm not saying it's all Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton's the number one overall pick. I mean, he's going to be pretty great uh, coming in. He's got good work ethic. He's well really... beyond beyond leadership, man. Like every good big, not every, but most good bigs throughout the history of the NBA thrived in what kind of environment? When they got a point guard, you know what I mean, or when they got a ball handler. Um. I remember Tracy McGrady used to say that Shaq Unless told they were the ball hand. Right. Well, KG. Mo- <laughs> uh, KG didn't thrive until he got Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Rondo. <laughs> no way. You kidding me? His best years were in Minnesota, bro. Duh. I'm just saying, like, he didn't cement his legacy until he got the Celtics and they got a real team, right? That wasn't because of the point guard, though. Obviously, statistically, he was insane. And yeah, they had the one run in that crazy MVP season. I'm not stupid. I'm just saying, like, you know, but was KG a traditional big? No. He started, I mean, he played point guard his first couple of years a little bit. He played shooting guard. He played one through five. They, they tried him all over the place. He, but yeah, but, but he's obviously one of those, like, he's one of those unicorns throughout the oh, league, sure. throughout the history of the league that could, like, do a bit of everything, right? DeAndre Ayton's, like, a traditional big. For sure. Um, at least for this era, right? Like, a, you know. But um, my point is, I was going to say, Tracy McGrady used to always talk about how Shaq told him, hey, Go get you a big man. And he got Yao. I'm, obviously, that didn't work out. But the point, well, that's a different discussion. But the point is, the point is, when a big has someone that knows how to get them the ball in the spots that they need to get the ball in and where they like the ball and just how to work and space the floor, like that helps. And Chris Paul is one of the best of all time at it. So, but no, man, I mean, the Suns look great. Uh, I really, I really think a Suns Bucks finals is going to be extremely exciting. Kind of, kind of split down the middle as far as who to pick, but I guess we can save that for if slash when. I'm all in on the Bucks. All in. Do all you think Chris Paul is going to get to 100%? I don't know what 100% is, but I think he's going to be... I think he'll be good to go. You think he'll be playing back to the level he was in the last round? Eventually. Okay. I think the That's... NBA should do what the NFL does with the Super Bowl, by the way. Take two weeks off? At least one. Like, it's just such a dudes, long, long time. Just and just a break I mean, with COVID, and we want to see the like. Look, we've already been deprived of a lot of greatness due to injuries. The source and cause of that, you can argue with your mama. I don't really care. But at the end of the day, I want to see the two teams in the finals at full health. Like, I don't want to see. You know, I know it's For a sure. war of attrition, but at least give them like five days, a week, something. You know, to recover ice bath, all that, stretch it out, get some soft tissue, soft muscle tissue, whatever, reparation, rehabilitation, and let's get it. Um, anything so, to add on the Suns and the Clippers before we move on? I just want to know, what would you guess DeAndre Ayton's shooting from the field this playoffs for the entire playoffs? 62%. 71. Wow. Where are his attempts coming from? <laughs> uh, I mean, that. You know, I mean, they're mostly pretty short. I'm saying, I, I mean, Clint but Capella still, used to man, it. still, Clint like Capella comparing used... that to Giannis, where a lot of his attempts are coming at the rim too, and there's way more. Uh, but Giannis, to his credit, is taking guys off the off the dribble from the three. It's like it, like getting charging up, saying, using, you... using your energy and your burst to get to the rim, and then finishing is a lot harder than catching it over the top or catching it with a couple feet within the basket and finishing. For Not sure, look credit. look at Rudy Gobert, man. He's it's like fifty. Low fifty percentage from the same like type of that's a, zone. That's a whole. 
that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to slander Rudy on this pod, but, um, and not to take away from Deandre Ayton, but I, like I said, Clint Capella at one point, I think led the league in field goal percentage or was always like oh, a he's, perennial. He's been really good. I was about to league. say incredible, but nah, he hasn't been that great in the playoffs. Well, I know for a fact when he was with the Rockets, he was like perennially among the best as sure. far as field goal percentage, but I never really touted it because it's like, yeah, he's just finishing over the top, you know, um, or getting putbacks or whatever. Credit to them. So with Aiden. Take away credit. I just don't like to boost, you know, relatively stupid stats. But what were you saying? Yeah, that was the discourse I was having on Twitter today is how far is he really elevated to what tier? Like, how many guys are you taking at the center's position above DeAndre Ayton right now? Like, how high up has he climbed? Like, Bam Adebayo is the one comparison for me. Like, that's the level he's at. So I'm still taking Kat, Jokic. I'm taking Embiid, obviously. Uh, but... Well, as always, man, this question highly depends on the context, which is, just pisses me off about how we, we boil all we basketball know is what down we know. Okay. And that's I'm what saying. We, you're saying, you're saying who, who would I take? No, my who's better right that, now? Let's just say that. That's, that's hold the up, question. Hold up. My question is I have to, but I can't answer that. I got to answer that with the question. All right. And the question is I take him over who, but what's my team? Am I building around him? Okay. Just say first, okay, let's, this will be easier. Who's better right now in your mind, Bam out of bio or DeAndre? Bam. It, so I, my answer was, I think it's a tie, but it's a slight lean towards Bam. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is the better rebounder. But that's the thing, Defense, though. they're getting close. Let me, just, but let, DeAndre let, me just stop you right, let me just stop you right there, though. If you put the, the quickest way to solve that, for me at least, some people might disagree. If you put Bam on Phoenix, they're better. It, my, that's part of I mean, my the conversation. It. Yeah, I agree completely. Because it's all contextual. He's a big man. He's not creating offense on his own. He's a complimentary... He's not a role player, but he's like a complimentary type fit, right? He's going to be as good as who he's around. They both have different that. strengths, though. Like, well, of course, but Bam is more versatile, versatile and he's a playmaker. That's where he's better right. than DeAndre. Like, right. he's Absolutely. a great passer. DeAndre is not a very good passer right now, not a playmaker, but he's putting the ball in the hole at a much higher rate. I mean, he's but, that, but, hey, but that's what we're saying. And, and a way better with. Bam out of bio with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah. Come on, son. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. But hey, I'm not trying to take anything away from Aiden. Like I said, I'm happy to see that he's not a bust because, first of all, it sucks when busts happen. And second, I just hate the pressure that some of these kids are under. You know, like he gets measured against Luca and Trey for obvious reasons. It's nice to see him having his own success and kind of dispelling some of that crap. But yeah, I mean, Cat a cat on the Suns, like what? I mean, maybe they wouldn't. They'd be a little worse defensively, but right. offensively, much worse ridiculous. defensively. Yeah, but offensively, they'd be ridiculous. It's just all contextual. Um, and and I, I strongly believe that defense is a team scheme. De- good defense happens when your team is is locked in. Okay, when everyone's bought in, when the communication's there, when people show up to film study, participate. You know, when practice is like an event and not a chore. Because sure. that's all defense is. It's knowing where your guys are going to be. It's knowing the tendencies of your teammates. It's knowing how to fill the gaps and stay on a rope the best you can. So, Jason Kidd. What a clusterfuck. Uh, Jason Kidd <laughs> ends up in Dallas. What do, you, what do you think about that whole process? Do you think he was the right choice? Uh, do you think he's going to have success? Where are you at on the Jason Kidd hiring? So there's two components of this, and there's two components of this and the, also the Portland Trailblazers hire. 
Component one is the merits um, of him being a coach. Is he a good coach? What's his resume, his coaching resume? Did Luca want him, quite frankly, is the only thing that matters as far as personnel goes. Yada, yada. The other component of this is his past, which is difficult, um, troublesome in a lot of ways. What is it on a coaching perspective? Like what matters? Um, and, and I think this one was really tone deaf by the Mavericks, if nothing else, because they had the issues they had in 2018. Yep. Mark Cuban said, you know, hey, <clears throat> we're going to clean this up or whatever. He, I think he cried on national television. He did. Which is that he did. Hilarious. In retrospect, that's hilarious in, a, in like a sad way. Um, so this was tone deaf from that perspective. You know, it's like the only justification I could think of is does Luca want this guy? Because if Luca wants this guy, then they're balancing a whole different basket of things. If Luca's indifferent to him or if Luca's, and, and I don't, like I can't, I don't know anything about Luca's relationship with them, but kid was not there when Luca got there. Right. So I can't imagine that there's like a, the relationship a, would be him watching him as a freaking child. That's, that would be as much as the relationship goes in my estimation, to be and honest. Does Luca care I'm about just, Jason? Kidd? Like how old's Luca? 22. I mean, they kind of plays like him a little bit. So at the end of the day, three, three parts. Okay. It's one Jason kid. Really, he's gotten multiple opportunities. Really hasn't proven dick. He's got a losing record. So they're strike That's one. That's the other thing. They're strike That's one. That's the other thing, yeah. Exactly. So he really hasn't proven to be a great coach. Is he the worst guy that could get? No, but he's definitely, I, there's literally 10 plus guys I'd rather have that deserve it more, first of all, uh, but also that are more unknown. And you should take an upside play if you already know something about the shitty coach you might have in front of you. Uh, two. It's literally about Luca. Okay. To your point, if there's no relationship there, it's the worst hire possible. Every single move this organization does from drafting a player to trading a player, if the draft pick's high enough where it's going to impact Luca, it's got to be a high draft pick. You want to play with this guy, Luca? Here, watch a little film. You should be babying this guy to make every decision possible in the year 2021. If you have the number one guy to start your franchise with, Every single decision you make internally has got to be about that guy. I'm sorry. That's the league we're in. It, it is. Um, what is so, it? He's about to sign a, a, an extension, right? So like, you want him to stay throughout the duration of that extension. Yeah. You don't want a trade request in the middle of it. And I agree with you. It's, it's just like there's no relationship there. Kid's resume is not impressive as a head coach. Um, he has... Third this, part. This, okay. Third part, I'm going to say, is morality, Okay. Right. And that should cancel everything because there's 30 of these jobs in the entire world, okay? There's a lineup of a million people, not a million, 10 plus at least, at a minimum, that are for sure just as worthy, if not way more deserving this guy. One that happened to be on your bench that your star player happened to for sure have a personal relationship with and Jamal Mosley. Like, it's just doesn't make any sense from what the history of the Mavericks just have gone through over the last 10, 15 years here. Um, there sounds like they're starting the good old boys club with Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley. Never know that might work. Um, it. I mean, <laughs> the only thing that'll make it work is Luca. And that's what I'm saying with this hire, they needed to nail it. And they did the opposite um, for like you talked about on the merits kids, not impressive. Is there a personal relationship with Luca? Not that I'm aware of. 
and obviously he's got a pretty shitty past. So there's pretty a chance much a, Luca proved it. There is a chance. Just there's a chance. Um, but on paper, from our perspective where we stand right now, it's a strikeout. To for me. sure. Um, and then on, and of course, like we said, the history of the organization. Like, what are you thinking, man? Um, a, a lot of these hires, the the public opinion matters. The PR perspective matters. And when you're the Mavericks and you've had issues, public issues, it matters, dude. Um, and with organizational unrest, right? Like maybe I'm exaggerating there, but Don Nelson, they fired triple OG Don Nelson, which is crazy to me. I do like their hire at GM and Luca for sure approved of that one. So that's kudos yeah, to that. Bob, Vul- Bob Vulgaris is still in the building. I right. talked about this that's on the radio. I talked about this on the radio in Houston with Lance Zerline, but it's almost like a, a Jack Easterby situation with the Texans. You know, it's like, who is Bob Vulgaris? Why is he there? And why is he of equal stature to Luca as far as his input? That's crazy. You know, it's like this exec that came out of nowhere that may or may not be qualified, like a, a sports betting expert data analysis, you know, and he's like calling the shots to get Don Nelson fired. That's crazy to me. Crazy. I do like out of the box hires. Yeah, but, not when they go south with your right, franchise yeah, player. Exactly. I also like out of the box I'm telling players. You, Don Nelson is is certified. Don yeah. Nelson is good in any hood in Dallas, bro. Like, I mean, that's just it blows my mind, quite frankly. And then moving on. I just want to real quick, I want to state that yes, I do think Jason Kidd is probably gonna have a little bit of success because no matter who Lucas coaches, they're gonna have success. It's the rest of the team. It's like, are they gonna get past that first, second, third round, which that's the goal here with Luka Doncic as your cornerstone. The goal is to win championships. It's like, that's what's going to matter. So you can't judge this guy if he wins 50 to 60 games. You can't. Well, Unless he's developing guys like Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, well, if they're coming up and popping on. The positive for him is that Luka hasn't won a playoff series yet. So as long as he wins one, it's on paper, it's, oh, it's progression. Yeah. But moving on, um, Portland hired Chauncey Billups. So Chauncey Billups has never been a coach. He's been an assistant with the Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, he's been around. Yeah. You know, his impact is unclear to me because I'm just a guy that watches the game. So I'm not tapped into people that have worked with Chauncey Billups. Um, Chauncey Billups has a past. And I didn't know about this. Um, I read about it after it you know, became a really big deal over the, the last few days. And I read some of the excerpts from the court case. It was a civil suit, if I'm not mistaken, which means that Billups was not facing criminal charges. He was being sued for probably for money. Um, pretty graphic stuff. You know, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a lawyer, so I'm probably biased to the legal system while simultaneously understanding that the legal system doesn't always get what we want in terms of a result. And it doesn't always allow for the truth to necessarily come out. That's the system we've got set up. It works great in a lot of ways, and it does have flaws in a lot of other ways. What are your thoughts on how that should affect his hire? Here's the thing. I mean, the NBA's got to be better at vetting this stuff, making it public. If the news is out there, getting a stance on this. The organization, they can't put this on the players. I mean, that's where they're screwing themselves right now with their star player. You got to well, no, take- be, beyond beyond the player. Forget forget the whole shifting blame. Oh, this was we did this for Dame. Yada yada yada. You know, Dame's like thirty years old. Dame's younger than me. I, I doubt. I'd be surprised if Dame Lillard knew about Chauncey in his past. I'm just saying. What are your thoughts on how this should like a lot of people are calling for this to not 
you know, like this should invalidate his candidacy. You agree I think with for that? For sure, Jason Kidd should have been invalidated because he was convicted versus accused. I mean, it's it's a huge difference. Uh, that I mean, that right there. And plus, Kidd actually has a record that we know he's not a very good basketball coach. That's why I'm saying he had those three strikes against him where Kidd for sure shouldn't have even been a thought. It shouldn't yeah, have I, even crossed their plate. But Chauncey Billings, I agree. he's unknown. He's been talked about as getting an opportunity. So it's 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 a lot different and he was accused i'm not going to be the one i don't i wasn't there i have no idea i mean i'm not gonna it's it's a hard thing to touch on and to really take a strong stance on but here's the thing i'm all about second chances yes even if they if you really messed up but there's certain things in certain professions that are unforgivable okay there's 30 opportunities of these in the world you get only a couple strikes. A DUI is one thing, okay? Get a couple of those, no big deal. But something to this extreme, if there's even a lick of this being true and you got a huge vetting team and you think there's a chance this could be true, go find the next guy that's unknown like this. There's so many other candidates that are just as good, if not better than this guy in such a competitive space like this. If you're just applying for a sales job, on the streets of your local freaking whatever, looking for a Geek Squad opportunity at Best Buy, hire whoever you want. But these are some of the best, highest paying jobs, most sought after jobs in the world that are the hardest jobs to get. It should be really hard to get them. Well, to your point, if you had something like that on your record and Chauncey doesn't because he was not convicted, um, I'm sure they could find it in a background check if they dug hard enough. Exactly. So but we got to trust had that, some of these systems too. Yeah. Yeah. If you had that Maybe. on your, in your file in a background check for a geek squad job, you're not getting that job. Um, and if you can't get that job. Yeah. Come on. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the differentiator. Cause a lot of people bring up that argument that I just made. And I do agree with that argument to some degree. The flip side of that coin is a lot of, a lot of times a prerequisite for being an NBA head coach is to have played in the NBA. Oh yeah, right? that's huge. Just frankly, most of the time, that's not huge. all the time. There are exceptions. Eric Spolstra, both Van Gundys, bless their little souls. Rick Carlisle. <laughs> Let's no, go. Rick Car- no, Rick Carlisle won a championship with the Boston Celtics as a right. player. No, you said, I think you said you should play in the NBA. It's a prerequisite. No, I'm, I'm saying there are exceptions um, of people oh. that did not. Did play not. In the NBA. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So both, you think both Van Gundys played in the NBA? So both Van Gundys, uh, like I said, Eric Spolstra, there's others as well. Steven Silas didn't play in the NBA. No, there's um, plenty of them. We don't there's need there's plenty, but they play high-level basketball is my point. So the entry point to the job has a prerequisite that slims down the candidate pool. Um, I'm not saying that means it's you have to It's getting less and less as they're getting more outside the box hired. Well, it is, and that's, I would hope to be a coach of some sort one day. Um, and I did not play in the NBA, nor did I play collegiate basketball. So that would be Anything's possible, baby. For me. But anyways, man, I do think, I do believe in rehabilitation. Because like, if you don't allow for rehabilitation, you just create. Life's over, you know? (laughs) Well, you just create a society and a system where once people are done, they're outcasts. And then, I mean, that that leads to repeat offenders. When people don't get a chance to improve, then they have no incentive to improve, right? Um, Not saying that Chauncey Billups is going to like magically go back and repeat the allegations from 1997 based on being excluded from the candidate pool, but just 
philosophically. Um, people deserve second chances. So I'm torn. I'm I don't just really saying not in this league. Right, <laughs> Necessarily. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I, if, I if, if he was convicted. Yeah. So there's all those factors. So I don't know. I, I really don't, And I'll probably catch a lot of heat for even saying that. But I don't know, man. He's 1997. That's a different world. It doesn't make any of it okay. Um, but I mean, I can, I'm 32 and I'm sure I did things at 21 that weren't that, but that I'd be ashamed of, you know, today. I think we all probably do. I think we'd be lying if we said not uh, otherwise, but I don't know. Either way, uh, if you're going to hire an, un, an un, unknown, it didn't have to be Chauncey Billups based sure. on the controversy that this is creating. So let me finish up with this. Is there any candidates out there you wish got an opportunity or you thought would have been a great fit? For Portland? Either one of them. Oh, for Dallas or Portland? Yeah, Dallas or Portland. I mean, can you remind me of the names that are available? For me, I mean, Kenny Atkinson would have been towards the very top of my list. That guy deserves a second opportunity more than anything. Um, Steve Clifford would have been a great option in Portland yeah. being a defensive-minded coach. But, yeah, he's been recycled. Um, I can rock with Kenny Atkinson, but that would not. You know, uh, it's not, it doesn't jump off the page better than Jason Kidd, but right. Jamal Mosley, though, um, definitely deserves plenty of opportunities. Uh, David Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn, there's another one. He had a good little stint there in um, Brooklyn. And then the other guy that drove me nuts is David Vanterpool. Um, Dame crucified Minnesota for not hiring him. And then he doesn't even give him a look. That drove me absolutely nuts. And the last thing I'm going to say, Listen to me closely. Quit interviewing these women if you don't plan on hiring them. That's all I'm saying. I need to see one of these women hired. But if you're not going to hire them, quit interviewing them. Yeah. Um, it's Progress is, in, is incremental, whether that's justified or not. So at least, you know. This has been there. going for way too many years. That's Becky good. Hammond's been way too many interviews. And Don Staley. I'll, I'll I'm just say this: praying man. that it's happening in I'll, San I'll, hey, I'll say this as someone who just watched what happened to the and Silas. It could, on the other flip side of that coin, be a shame to see her get that job, to see tr- Dame get traded, and to see her stuck with a rebuild. Whoever did, Chauncey, you know, no, going but. going seventeen and fifty-five, and then all of the critics criticizing the move before it happens, feeling validated as a result. So watch out for that side of it too, because that that does happen. People feel validated by the failure despite the context, and I think it would. It would be better for her and for the, the spectacle or whatever, whatever the, the prospect, whatever you want to call it, of the, a female getting the first head coaching gig to have a stable situation. Um, for sure. No, 100%. And she's had so many endorsements from players, Paul Gasol recently. But yeah, I just hope San Antonio has her lined up, just says they should come out and publicly say that they're, she's their girl going forward and so she yeah, they quit, should quit san, san antonio i want to see san antonio replace pop with her that yes. makes sense and they just need to say that's a done deal so then she yeah. quits wasting all of her goddamn time welcome to the second part of this week's episode we have orlando magic former orlando magic player chasen randall in the building chasen's on the west coast man how you living today man how, how you doing oh, i'm doing great i'm doing great man uh Excited to be talking to you guys and, um, you know, spend an afternoon with you guys. Appreciate you coming cool, on. So you're yeah, in likewise. California right now. Um, that, is that where you're trained for the summer? Is that where you're working out? Um, well, I spent 
half my summer here and then I'll spend my half my summer somewhere else. Um, I started the summer in Dallas, um, spent about three weeks there, um, you know, just working out training, get my body right. And, um, I'll be here picking up, you know, doing the same thing pretty much. Jason, I'm from Houston. So I must ask why on earth would you choose Dallas? Um, you know, for me, like my agency, you know, they set it up. They, they had the whole setup with the sports Academy down there and, you know, just hearing about the setup that they had as far as, you know, the PT and, uh, massage and, you know, core work and strength and conditioning work. Um, and then once they saw me pictures, sent me pictures of the facility, it was like, Hey, this is a no brainer. Let me, let me get here and see what's going on. I got there and I enjoyed it. Um, from, from the jump, like I could tell that the people that they had, um, you know, running the place and, and, you know, helping the guys were, you know, professional and, um, top notch. They knew what they were doing. So I enjoyed it and, 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 felt like I, I got a lot better, you know, in the three weeks that I was there. Very good. So let's go back to the season now a little bit. Um, you played about 42 games, I believe. It's with Orlando Magic. Um, definitely enjoyed watching your growth. I mean, you played a, quite a bit in most of your career. It was much needed. Um, it was a weird situation, though. I mean, you get thrown out there in the middle of the year just expecting yeah. to perform and grow your opportunity that you've been in and out throughout the league. You had a hell of a journey you've been on. It's been really impressive to watch. But what was this year like for you in Orlando? Uh, man, it was um, it was a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, even with all the changes, all the uncertainty throughout the year, um, you know, it was like an adapt and overcome type of year. You know, every, every day brought up a new challenge, like new teammates, you know, new, you know, plays, you know, COVID, whatever it may be. Um, you know, there was challenges throughout the year, but it was like, okay, this is, this is what you want to do. This is what, this is the, the league you want to play in. Um, now show, show, show what you can do. So that was my approach. Um, you know, and then just sitting and waiting so long, you know, throughout the, the pandemic from the time I got back, um, and they shut the season down, um, after my, my night on my ninth day <laughs> with the Warriors last year. And uh, waiting all the way until, you know, November to, to to go to training camp. It was like, okay, man, like, just make this worth your while, you know, because you don't know if this opportunity will come about again. So um, that's that was my approach, and I, I enjoyed it, man. Um, you know, of course, I would love to have made the playoffs and, you know, one more games, but to be able to play and, and show what I could do, um, you can't beat that. Yeah, man. So to that extent, um, is there anything that you took from this season? And like you said, the experience that it was and not taking it for granted that you're using for this summer uh, to get ready for a potential hopeful spot on another team or maybe maybe again with the Magic next season? Yeah, I mean, for me, like just being able to play and and, you know, go up against certain guys and play against teams, see different offices, see different defenses and learn. Um, I was able to take a lot from this season, to be honest. Um, you know, anytime you get to play, they say experience is the greatest teacher. So for me to be able to go out there and, um, you know, feel the game out and, um, you know, kind of see where I fit and, and how, how I can kind of, you know, help a team win games. I think that's, that's the greatest learner. 
Um, you know, I, I've, I've been working my tail off, like I said, these past three weeks um, on, you know, certain things that I think will help my game um, improve and, and, and for me to be able to stand out next year. So let me ask you, um, what have you really, I mean, learned about yourself and where you think you benefit the most um, in the NBA and where do you fit? Um, where, where do you think you can benefit a team the most in the league? Um, you know, I think with my ability to shoot the basketball, um, I think that'll help, you know, any team in the NBA. Um, you know, I'm the type of guy that can, can stretch the floor for, you know, playmakers, but I can also play make myself, you know, um, and, and create for others, um, running offense, you know, keep, keep, keep the team organized. And, um, you know, I've been working a lot this summer on, you know, being able to close shot clocks. Like that's something that I want to be able to add to my game and, and show that I can do, um, you know, this upcoming season. So uh, I'm excited. So you mentioned your ability to stretch the floor, obviously as a guard in the NBA today, shooting is, is, I mean, probably the most important thing that one can do. I mean, the three and D player has become a thing right in the last mm-hmm. half decade, maybe even more than that. Um, so you had, relative to your abilities, you had a down year in terms of three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. And I'm, a, I'm of the belief that a lot of that is really just circumstance. Like, it's not reflective of your ability to shoot the basketball. You shot, I think, 34% on mm-hmm. say, three attempts per game. Um, it was your most attempts of your career in, in a season in the NBA. But I just kind of want to hear it from the horse's mouth, like from your perspective. Like, what do you think of that? Do you know, I mean, I know that you know in the back of your head you can shoot. How does that reflect like on teams when they're evaluating you and they're looking at you to bring you in? Is that a discussion that you have where you where you have to explain like, nah, it's just a, I had a couple rim in and out and the numbers don't reflect my ability or how, how do you address that? Or does it even not come up? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it will, I mean, how it comes up or if it will, um, for me, like I know what I'm capable of doing. I mean, I've done it every day in practice and in games, you know, I didn't even get a full season. You get what I'm saying? So those numbers may look different if I play, you know, a few more games or whatever. Sure. So, um, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Me, Cause I'm, like I'm, you could shoot, you could shoot, you know, you could play two more games mm-hmm. and go like six of 10. And then all of a sudden yeah. like, that's 35, you know what I mean? And boom, it's different. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And I mean, for me, like I'm confident in my ability to shoot the basketball. Like it's something that I pride myself in and, um, you know, I, I believe that teams already know I can do so. Um, I'll continue to show that I can do that at a higher clip, um, you know, come this season. So when you first got your call to come back to the NBA this year, what was that call like? Where were you at? And when they brought you in, what was that conversation like? This is what we expect out of you. I mean, this is what we think you can bring to the table here. I mean, how would that all play out for you? Because you ended up getting 20 minutes a game. You started um, five of them, um, which is pretty dang good. Yeah, so I was in the bubble, um, the G League bubble, when I first got the call. Um, actually getting ready to take a nap. I was getting ready to play a game that night. Um, and then my agent called me and said, you know, hey, like, you know, the Magic might be calling you up. I think you should sit out this game and all this. So, you know, we kind of waited and uh, – I was excited, man, just ecstatic to have another opportunity to play in the NBA and put on that jersey and play on that floor. Like, um, 
you know, I didn't finish my nap. Like I, I, I didn't get it in. So <laughs> too excited, but, um, wake you know, up. Man. It's go time, man. Yeah, pretty much. And, and then, you know, the ball got rolling quickly. Like I, if I remember correctly, like I was picked up the next day by somebody, by a member of the team. And, you know, we had to do a whole bunch of physicals and then I was finally able to meet, um, you know, my teammates and, um, the coaching staff and, front office people and they all just told me to come in and be myself. Um, they weren't looking for me to come in and be a hero or try to play hero ball. It's more so just, you know, come in be an A to B guy, run the team and, um, you know, make plays when, when the ball comes back to you. Um, and then, you know, we had practice that day and then the next day I was playing. So it was, it was super quick, um, you know, turnaround for me. So, um, and then we won that, that next game, um, which is pretty cool. So it was fun. So what needs to happen in your mind for Chase and Randall to get a multi-year deal to stick, to stick in the NBA? Um, for me, like, I think this year, you know, I was able to show that. Like, I think I deserve a, a, a guaranteed contract um, based off the year that I had um, in the circumstances. But thinking long-term, like, multi-year sticking, um, you know, for me, like I, I, I see myself as a player who can, again, you know, stretch the floor, knock down shots, um, you know, be able to lock up and, and, and keep guys in front without fouling, um, run the team, um, you know, similar to like a guy like a like a Patty Mills or like a, a Brent Forbes type player. You know what I mean? Um, the guy that comes to my mind is the guy that I know pretty well, and that's Langston Galloway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Langston is yeah. He's a great example as well. Yeah, six yeah, two, always ready. Same body as you. I mean, Phoenix will probably dust him off up sometime here in the finals. I mean, that guy has had a great career, um, but I mean, his opportunities are always uncertain. I mean, he's had right. way more than others at times. I mean, he's had thirty minutes a game at time, and then it drops mm. all the way down to five. So it's those guys that are always ready that I mean stick around. And that's, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Langston's a great example as well um, of a guy who, you know, I think is, has done a great job of extending his career. And, you know, when he's, when he's numbers called, when his numbers called, he's ready, you know, so um, shout out to him. So at what point, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're what, 28 and a half almost. Yep. Um, so at what point for you, and I've always wondered this, you say it, let's say it doesn't work out in the NBA or let's say it's still uncertain. Maybe, maybe not that it doesn't work out, but you're still on the grind. Like you are right now. At what point do you say, okay, I'm cool. I'm gonna go overseas and stay overseas. Cause I know you've been overseas. Yeah. I've been a few times to be honest. I've, I've, it's like one year I've been in the league, one year I'm out, one year I'm in, one year I'm out. Um, that's been the story of like my whole, my six years as a professional, to be honest. Um, and for me, like, it just depends on situation, um, what my goals are at the time and what I'm trying to show. Um, you know, um, yeah, I know some people say, <laughs> take the money and, and run, take the money and go. Um, but, you know, I believe that I'm an NBA player, you know, and I, I, I believe that I belong in, in this league. So I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. And you are till you aren't, right? I mean, you're right. getting a call back. And for a point of reference, I mean, you graduated college in 2015 um, at Stanford's all-time leading scorer. 
Who did you pass, by the way, when you did that? Uh, Todd Lickty. So okay, Lickty. Uh, all right, right on. Yep. Yeah. Um, was Josh Childers? Where was he on there? I'm not sure. No? He, you know, Josh. He only did I think two or three years. Oh, so, sure. You know, okay, he, I thought yeah, he was pretty high yeah. up. Uh, but anyways, you didn't get into the NBA until two years after you graduated. That's crazy. That does that. First of all, doesn't happen very often. And then we're in 2021, six years later now, and you've been in and out of the league nonstop ever since. So how hard is that for you to just come in the middle of the season, come in for a few games, just random time. You don't know when your number is going to get called. Like how do you stay ready? And how, I mean, yeah. How, how hard is that for you? I mean, like for me, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, just go in and be yourself. It's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's harder than I make it look, to be honest. So <laughs> I imagine what I could do with the full training camp and, you know, getting, you know, the work in with the, with the guys early. Uh, but it, it's for me, it's like, just come in and be yourself and, and, um, you know, try to contribute to winning. That's all. That's what I've always been about. Um, since, you know, I picked up the basketball, um, make the right play. Yeah. Make the right plays and be a great teammate and, and, and leave it all out on the floor. And that's, that's the way I play. Cause if you look at it, for instance, like the Brooklyn nets, I mean, they barely played like their core together all year and they're the top talent in the league. I mean, yeah. they're as good as they get and they struggled at times. I mean, to gel when you just only give them a couple minutes at a time, like they're just surviving off talent. So yeah. just to expect anybody and everybody to come in and <laughs> thrive like that is damn near impossible. So I want to hear a little bit about your overseas experience. Um, what was one or two of your favorite places you played? Um, so I have to say the Czech Republic was awesome just because it was like my first experience with, um, you know, professional basketball. It was like my first year out of, out of uh, college. And I was able to play, kind of understand what it meant to be a pro. And I was by myself. So, like, I had to learn how to cook. I had to learn how to take care of my body. Like, everything was on me. Um, it was more than, it was it more than basketball for you? Like, it's like a growth period, like beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I was able to kind of come into my own and, and kind of figure out, like, hey, like, do you really want this life? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and. I ended up, you know, playing great over there, winning a, uh, you know, winning the championship with the team and making the the playoffs uh, in the VTB League for the first time um, in the team's history. So it was great, man. I, I got to understand, um, you know, like I said, what it meant to be a pro. And I had great guys around me um, who I'm very appreciative of, too. So I said the Czech Republic. Um, I also enjoyed Spain, like playing for Real was like an incredible experience. Um, you know, it was like playing in the NBA, but just, you know, in Spain, um, you're flying private and, you know, the caliber of players that you're playing with and against were like, you know, top tier and, um, you know, the lifestyle was awesome, you know, as well. So I enjoyed it. Did you run up against, I can't forgive me for not knowing, but did you run up against like Luca or any of Yeah, those? so Luca was on my team. Yeah. He, oh, we were on there you team. go. Okay. We were on the same team. Yeah. Luca Doncic cool. and uh How old was he when that happened? He must have been I was like what? He was he was like 18. This was the year before he this was the year before he uh came to the NBA. So Oh wow. Yeah. 2018. I think he was like 19, 18, 19 somewhere around so, there. So did you know like you knew when you were hooping in, in practice and all that and watching him 
Absolutely. Like, like you knew he was a problem. Ready? To yeah. Happen. Yeah. Like he just, he just played at his own pace. Like, and he made plays, man. Like I think the first game, first yearly game we had, like he had like 26 or 30 and like damn near triple double and hit the game winner. And it was like, all right, man. But he did it with effortlessly. Like it was like in like 24 minutes, 22 minutes, something like that. Like it was crazy. So what he's doing um, now doesn't surprise you one minute. No, nah, not at all. Like I always, you know, there was, there was some, you know, scouts and stuff that, that I'm close to that were calling me and everything before the draft. And they were like, should, you know, is Luca the real deal? I'm like, yeah, he should be one or two. You know what I mean? Easily. Um, did you laugh when he didn't go one or two? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but, um, you know, he's doing great for himself and, um, I'm super happy to see his, his growth and development, even like beyond, like it's like every year he gets better. Um, so that's pretty cool to see. You know, it's, uh, he's got watching him for me, this might be weird, but watching him for me just makes me think in some ways of Paul Pierce only, only from the perspective that when I used to watch Paul Pierce, I just remember thinking, how does this guy get to his spots yeah. against these defenders, right? He's not, there's no first blow by step. There's no like fast twitch craziness. It's right. kind of like a big lumbering body and he can, you know, use the hip to kind of shield you off, do his thing. Create yeah. space. And I feel like Luca's kind of the same way when I watch him, I'm just like, how does he get to his spots? But it's, it's effortless. Like you can't stop yeah. him from getting. That's you know? a great, that's a great um, comparison in terms of, you know, using his body and size to, to get to where he wants and make plays. Uh, yeah. He, it, it looks like he's been doing it for a long time. And he has, you know what I mean? The kid was like, I think he went to Real when he was in his early teens, you know, or whatever. And 16, he played his first, uh, you know, professional game and everything. So it was, it was awesome to see, um, you know, you know to, to learn about him first and then, like, to play with him and everything. Like, he just loves the, ba- the game of basketball, too. Like, you can see I, it. Like, yeah. Like, he's played pure with so joy. much joy, yeah. Yeah, pure joy, you know, being out there and playing. Um, so he's fun to be around. He's a great teammate as well. Well, to that point, and also to the point of what you were saying earlier, when you said, you know, you kind of had to ask yourself if if you wanted this life, Mm -hmm. um, ball is life sponsoring the podcast, baby. So that's what's up. Ball ball is life is our sponsor. So ball definitely is life. I was going to ask you, Chasen, um, this is my last question and I'm sorry, you came in a little later while we were going. So we ran out, running out of time a little early, but Zach, if you want one, uh, let me know. But I had one more question for you, man. I was going to ask. If there was an ideal fit, realistically, um, like a team that could use you, um, that you would like to play for, both coaching style, offensive system, whatever, mm-hmm. what are a couple of those that, that you'd have in the you know in the back of your mind? Man, um, I look at teams like a like a Milwaukee, like a Denver. Um, Why? You know, uh, I just like the way they play. You know, the style of game. Um, with with Milwaukee, it's like, you know, you got Giannis, who's, you know, a freak of nature, you know, rightfully so. And him making plays, spreading the floor, like, I think I'd be able to do that for a team like that. Um, Denver, I love the way the ball moves and flows. Um, Jokic is a great passer and, you know, he can play with the ball without it. And, you know, I think I'd be a great addition to a team like that as well. Um, you know. Like I said before, like my ability to shoot the basketball, I think is 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 what could help me, you know, make any team. Um, 
So this is about finding the right fit and, and who at the time needs, you know, a guy like me. So um, hopefully we'll find the right, the right fit this summer. Hey, the way you play, everybody needs you, you know? As long as yeah. that shot's falling, everybody will need you. Um, just hope you get another opportunity here. So uh, we'll finish up with this. I mean, you got any crazy overseas stories? I mean, that happened. <laughs> Um, anything you took back with you that you share with a lot of people that just kind of crazy, um, man, I played in China. So a lot of, <laughs> a lot of crazy things happened while I was there. Um, I just like fleeing the country before they shut, shut down cities. Um, you know, oh, you were before COVID? COVID, that was like, yeah. So I was there. Yeah. Like January of 2020 and had to get out before, you know, everything kind of shut down. That was, that was pretty one of, one of my craziest stories. Um, and I landed the day that, you know, the late, great, you know, Kobe Bryant passed away. So, um, yeah, yeah, crazy. Going crazy. from COVID to Kobe. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. yeah mind shattering. Oh, so you, sure. so you knew, you knew what COVID, what was going on with COVID before like us normal folks. Yeah. Did. So like the America didn't know what, what was going on at all. <laughs> like, wow. um, I had to leave. It was know, perfect China. timing though for you. Right. Yeah, it was. It was. It was perfect timing for me to get back and, um, you know, be able to see my family and everything. And then I picked up a contract, you know, 10 day contract with the Warriors and stuff uh, right before the, the season had ended again. So um, or they had shut down the season. So, yeah, I, I knew what was what was going on or what was out there. I should say I didn't think it would hit America as fast as it did. But um, I'm, you know, just grateful that I was able to get out and, and be safe and be around my family, uh, you know, such during such a you know, hard time. Yeah, Rudy, ask, Gobert, Rudy Gobert is the one to credit for that. That boy shut it down literally. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> I want to ask you though, being you played with him firsthand, it's a very pivotal year for the Dallas Mavericks as they're going to try to design a team this year. I think they're trying to revamp around Luca, making mm-hmm. all these front office changes, coaching changes. What do you think is the best, most ideal fit to maximize Luca? Are there any players you have in mind that would be you'd love to see play with them to help him get to that next level and start winning some series? Uh, how about you? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Me for sure. <laughs> we won together. We've won together before. <laughs> Bring it. I think we could do it again. I definitely think we could do it again, man. Um, but I, I mean, I think he needs he needs a guy like who can be because he does a lot man he does a lot you know and rightfully so like he has the ball in his hands most majority of the game but he needs a guy maybe like a Kimba you know who can who can you know score and you know take on the load you know when he's how about an elevated Kimba Dame how about we get Dame Lillard there yeah or Dame or some somebody like that but I don't know if it's gonna be hard to get Dame out of out of uh Portland um and Maybe LA, you know what I mean. So we'll see. Dame, Dame is gone. As yeah, a, you think so? As a Houston Rockets fan who just went through the Harden thing, Dame is gone. Okay, uh, all that writing's on the wall. I'd be surprised. The only difference is he has, I think, three years left on his deal, which makes mm-hmm. it a little tougher. But if he decides he wants out, and Chris Haynes has been doing the reporting, and Chris Haynes has the scoop on Dame, that's um, his guy. That's how Chris Haynes grew, really. Yeah, no the good. coaching thing. Like, it's just like the, it's like, it looks like the hardened playbook minus like the strip club aspect of it. Um, True. And, you know, it's just like from a mile away, it's like, he's gone, man. If they, unless yeah. they pull off a blockbuster and they put somebody next to him or that would make him think twice, I think he's gone. Mm-hmm. 
personally. I, you don't think bringing in Chauncey, uh, you don't think that no, would help? You, so did, I, did I think it would have helped if the media and Twitter isn't going in all in a frenzy over Chauncey. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. Dave feels like he's to blame now. People are putting it on him. And so I just feel like from the reports I'm getting, if Haynes is putting this out here, it's just a slow leak and it's, it's Dame doesn't want all that pressure. He, he just seems like a down to earth guy, a nice dude just wants yeah. to be low key and live his life and hoop, you know, doesn't right. want to be the guy like LeBron and out in the forefront, making all the decisions. I don't think that's well, Chauncey. Kind of- Chauncey's been catching heat for his past. Dame didn't know about that. Frankly, I didn't know about that different mm-hmm. discussion, but um, now he's trying, Dame has kind of distanced himself from that saying like, yo, I, I didn't know. I didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, and that's, wow. That, that's not good. Right. Yeah, Obviously yeah. he probably wanted Chauncey, but I yeah. think, I think, and we were talking about this earlier, me and Zach, before you came on, we were talking about Twitter and how it really does like get to some of these players. They really do check their mentions and see like what people are saying. Definitely. Um, as you can see with KD, as you can see with Dame, I think Harden mm-hmm. and the list goes on. Um, and so I think he's seeing some of those, those Portland fans saying like basically trashing his character, assassinating his character. And according to Chris Haynes, I could have that wrong, but I've seen it somewhere that those messages and that type of stuff, the, the backlash is kind of like the straw that's breaking the camel's back for Dame. And he's like, oh. all right, man, I gave you, I gave you all that I've had. And yeah. This is how you're going to treat me. After. Yeah. 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 That's, he had that tweet that's, that's, where he the organization could come out right now and have Dame's back. And say he Dame wasn't a part of this process. They could be the one taking charge of this. I, I, sorry, I was just—I I needed to, needed to drive the point home. He quote tweeted a fan saying something: "If this is what y'all gonna say about me, blah blah blah." And he ended it with, "If this is what you, something to the effect of, if this is what y'all gonna say, dot dot dot, say less." And then, like three or four Ooh. days later, we get we get the Haynes report. You know what right. I mean? So, wow. I think, yeah, I don't think that was cryptic, or I do think. Yeah, I think it was that's crazy. Check this out, though. And I don't know if, you know, this might be crazy, but he's from Oakland, man. What if he, what if he ended up back in? <laughs> back so in those are my two favorite Dame destinations, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I want Dallas to contend because I love watching mm-hmm. Luka. And I want Golden State to thrive in Steph's last few years. Yeah, so, and a lot of people, a lot of people enjoyed that All-Star game with him. Yeah. 40 footers after one after the other. <laughs> yeah, so that would be And I mean, they have the seventh pick. They have the 14th pick. If Portland cares about James Wiseman, they got James Wiseman. Um, yeah. I don't know why they would want to take Andrew Wiggins, but maybe they would take his contract on and then shed it in a couple years. There's yeah. options. Um, one fake trade I've seen or rumors I've seen is uh, Siakam to Golden State. And I think that's mm. a lot. I think that's really interesting, too. I feel. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like that's realistic and interesting. Yeah, definitely. definitely. My, dogs, could be. my dogs are going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your ideal destination to see Dame go to next? If you, if you oh, man, I would, I would love to see him. Yeah, I would love to see him in, in, in Oakland, man, to be honest. Love um, it. Or San Francisco now, but, you know, back in the Bay, that would be cool. Oh, I just think he would embody that. And I mean, I yeah. think he would thrive being home. I think he'd have a yeah. blast. Jason, so I got I to gotta get out of here, but I want to ask you last question. Um, who's your number one pick in this draft? Number one pick in this draft. Ooh, that's tough. 
And if you haven't dug in, it's okay. The only reason I yeah, dug in is because I really haven't. I haven't dug okay. in too deeply. Um, I did get a chance to play against Kaminga and, and Jalen Green and, and those guys. Um, very what are your talented, thoughts on Jalen Green? Very talented. Um, I think he's going to have a great career. Um, Why? You know, I, just because, like, with him, I've I seen, like, he looks like he loves the game as well, too. You know what I mean? Um it looks like he loves to play. Like when I was, when we were playing against each other and stuff, like he loved the moment. He loved, you know, the national TV, the spotlight and stuff like that. Um, and he's talented. He's super talented. So, um, does he, he have the that. whole package like offensively? Is there anything, any holes in his game, strengths in his game, like playing against him or watching I think him he play? Needs to, I think he needs to get stronger. Um, you know, but he's what, 18, 19? You oh, know yeah. what I mean? He's young. He's so, like, he'll he'll be fine Man, you know, once, once yeah once he gets you know in an nba you know locker room and setting um they'll they'll do him great he'll be he'll be just fine do you see anybody's game in him Ooh, that's tough that's tough man he's he's like a hybrid though like he can shoot it you know he's athletic as as heck um to be honest maybe a little bit of zach maybe Maybe Levine? a little bit of Zach. I, yeah, no, I, can, maybe. I can feel that. Yeah. Maybe Zach Levine or Zach Noble? Is that exactly? He's not just soaking <laughs> wet. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I got better hair than him. <laughs> man. Hey, well, on that note, Chasing, man, we had a great time. Uh, sorry, we got you in a little bit late. Um, if there's yeah, anything no, I'm you want to plug. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on if you're with it. We look yeah. forward to watching where your career goes and hopefully – you can land one of those multi-year guaranteed deals. And um, let's get this man verified on Twitter as well. Yeah, for sure. On. I need to start tweeting more. Yeah. <laughs> what should I say? Hey, I know this they recently show had is like the a, first thing. They recently had a process where they were verifying a bunch of new people. And I mean, you're, you've been in the NBA, so I think right. it would be pretty easy if you just, you know, let them know. Let them um, know what's but, up. Hey, Rate, subscribe, all that. Let us know what's up. Chase, and if you could do us a favor and retweet this hoe when we tweet it out, that would be great. Um, And yeah, man, we enjoyed it. So thank you. All right. Thank you guys, man. Looking forward to catching up again. Thank you. Enjoy the summer and best of luck on the rest of your journey. We're going to be here. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Later.